Hi, this is Father Simon, your friend in cyberspace. I hope you can enjoy one of our favorite shows of the past year, and I hope that you and your family have a very Merry Christmas and a truly blessed New Year. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. There's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. I just promised the voice in my head that I would do a cheerful show today. I will try my darndest. All right, I'll let's be, pray. I'll be the It'll judge help. of that. It, was that live your voice in my head? Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the voice in my head. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's like what's that movie Harvey, the the, the giant rabbit with Jimmy oh, Stewart? Yeah, in, Harvey. Yeah. yeah, great movie. The voice in my head is six feet six inches tall. There's no room in my head for anything else. (laughs) All right, let's pray. In the name of the... I'm not making that up. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created. They shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let us go to the big book on the coffee table. And today we are definitely plunging into the deep end. Uh, Today is the Memorial of St. John Chrysostom, a great, brave bishop. And uh, uh, he said, listening to the Office of Readings today, he didn't care about being rich or poor. It didn't matter to him. Um, and uh, you could do what you want to him. He didn't fear death. He didn't fear poverty. He didn't fear exile. And boy, they took him at his word. Well, enough about St. John. Let us go to uh, the reading, which is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, and then they stop 27 to 31a. I'm going to read, I want to study the whole chapter uh, because it's it's such an important chapter, and it is so central to... Um, what St. Paul is saying. Now remember, St. Paul has come to Corinth. They are they are mistaking politics for the faith. That's essentially what they're doing. They have factions. They're not getting along even at, uh, at their communal meetings and their communal meals, which may or may not have been in conjunction with the Holy Eucharist. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, I remember a, a, a coffee and... Um, uh, sort of thing that they had after mass at a place, and there were, of course, styrofoam cups and paper plates and all that. Well, one group of people decided to bring fine china, and they would they would dine on um, and drink their coffee from nice cups, and uh, um, that was when I stopped going to the coffee hour. Um, you know, it's funny we look at this story in Corinthians uh, that. Uh, you know, and, and 
St. Paul talks about uh, some of you um, don't even wait for others to start and you don't have homes to eat in. They'd forgotten why they were coming together for a meal. It was so that they could associate together. And I think this, this chapter is very important in that regard. Now, in regard to spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uh, unaware. Uh, let me get my little little uh, board here. Because spiritual gifts, this is very, this idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the charisms, I think is very, very deceptive. Uh, I think you really have to look at this in 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 the original language because it it, uh, it, it doesn't quite we think we know what's being said and we really don't uh, concerning the uh, uh, it really says spiritual things okay it, uh, the word pneuma is spirit and a spiritual thing is a pneumaticon. Uh, and spiritual things are pneumatica. This is spiritual things. The gift is not in in the text. Now concerning the breath things, <laughs> that's literally what it means. Brothers, I do not wish you to be ignorant. Um, uh, what, 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 you're picking at straws? No. Then it says when you were pagans, you were constantly attracted in a lot of way to mute idols. Uh, we used to translate that dumb idols. Dumb dumb means stupid. It means mute, unable to speak. And that's the thing about about Saint, about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity spoke, and the gods of the pagans didn't speak. I think this is very important, and I want to ask myself and you: When's the last time you clearly heard from God? Now, it may not be God standing on a mountain and go, yo, listen up. It may be uh, you're in church and you hear the word of Scripture and it just hits you. That was for me. God speaks in many different ways. Uh, but he speaks. And for me, you to say, uh, I've never heard from God. Well, he wrote you a lot of nice letters. They're in that big book on the coffee table. Read them. Uh, God speaks. And that's an integral part of our faith. So, uh, uh no one can say, then he goes on, therefore, no one can say, except speaking by, now the text says, Spirit of God, but I'm going to translate it breath. No, I told you that nobody's speaking by the breath of God says, Jesus be accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the holy breath. That, that, the word, okay, oh, good grief, let me look at the time. I've got so much to say about this chapter. The, the the word for God, the name of God in the text, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is YHWH, and it was never pronounced. When a, a Jew saw YHWH, an Orthodox Jew to this day, and is praying using the text of Scripture, he will not say YHWH, he will not pronounce it. He will pronounce the word Adonai instead, which means Lord. And so what Paul is saying here is no one can say Jesus is the God whom Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worshipped, except inspired by God, except breathed into by God. And so this is, this is very important because in the politics of Corinth, they were reducing God to a mute idol. What? Yeah. 
when when you know we've uh, always intrigues me you know what a vaticanista is these journalists who are just so fascinated by the rumors coming out of the vatican or who's been appointed what head of what dicastery it's almost like a fashion editor these people treat the faith as if it was just this sort of who's who among the aristocrats and that's I, that would that would cause the apostles to just question what they were doing and i cannot believe that jesus himself would not criticize that 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 we're not a political organization we're made up of political people because people are political but we are a, a pneumatic organization a pneumatica in that sense so he's saying that that you're being pulled apart and you're, you're acting like you were pagans you're not listening to god you're listening to politics church politics therefore there are different kinds of pneumatica and again it's the word there are different kinds of spiritual uh, things there are di different kinds of things breathed but the same breath different forms of service but the same lord and that word is diakonia here there are different workings but the same god who produces them all now this is real important you know i i uh I think I can be counted as one of the founding fathers of the Pentecostal movement. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1968 when I was but 18 in January of 1968. And I have been, this has been an important part of my spiritual life. However, I don't really like movements. This isn't about a movement. It's about the heritage and the gift of God for the working of the church. And if we'd really looked at this text with a fine-tooth comb, I think we would have understood that. To each individual is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for some some benefit. They translate a benefit here. But the word in Greek is symphoron. The, the word manifestation is a phanerosis. That means a manifestation, a, a public, uh, a, visible a visible thing. Uh, and the word symphoron means, it really means a coming together. And that's what St. Paul's talking about in this letter. The, the coming together of the church, which is not facilitated by their divisions. Uh, that it'd be better, he says elsewhere, maybe you shouldn't come together. When you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Uh, so this symphoron, this this carrying together, I think it it's translated someplace, places, and I think it's a good translation, it's given for the common good. And then he lists these manifestations, which everybody calls charisms. Charism is the inclusive term. A charism could be the ability to to play the accordion. I don't know that Glenn Leverance would count himself as a charismatic, but he has a charism, the accordion. Well, I like the accordion. Moving along. So, uh, um, a charism is a gift freely given. A charism is a gift freely given. It's related to the word for grace. Anything you got is a charism because God gave it to you. The ability to tap dance is a charism in a sense. Uh, but what St. Paul is talking about is the outward manifestation of the inward dwelling uh, spirit, the inward dwelling breath of God. So wisdom and knowledge and faith, I thought everybody had faith. Well, there are some people who are just exceptional in their ability to trust God, and their gifts of healing. To another, they translate their mighty deeds, miracles, dynamis. To another, the gift of prophecy and discernment of spirits. Um, that's a real useful one. To another, 
varieties of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues. I'm not going to go into that right now. Okay, then he goes into the story about the body. The body is one though it has many parts. You know, I remember driving down, uh, I think it was Pulaski Avenue in Chicago, and there was a sign on the west side. You know, the Reverend the, the, Yada Yada, uh, Bishop, Prophet, Teacher, Healer. <laughs> I thought, this guy doesn't need a church. He is a church. What St. Paul is saying is you can't get along without each other. If you have a gift of healing, you need someone who has a gift of the discernment of spirits to see if this comes from God or not. Uh, you, you need someone who um, who has a gift of 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 prophecy. If if you're a teacher, I you know I'm definitely non-profit. I'm glad I know some people who have genuine prophetic gifts who will tell me when the Lord they've been. Pray- I have a friend who she I've known her for most of my life. When she says, um, Father Rich, I've been praying for you, I think, oh dear, what have I done now, Lord? But she will be praying for you, and the Lord will show her something. And I've never known her not to be spot on. That's wonderful. And the church needs that. The church has got a lot of screwballs who think they're prophets, but to be a real prophet, in my experience, a prophetic word is usually very short and very to the point. Um, and when you hear it, the hair on your arm stands up and you say, oops. All right, uh, then he goes on uh, to talk about the body. The body is not a single part, but many. And you know, there are times when there is a cancerous member to the body and it must be removed, but that is extreme. No one, if he has a, a toe that is aching, takes a hammer and says, I'll show you toe, wham! We don't do that. We don't we don't hurt a part of our body because it isn't doing what we want. If we do, we're probably pretty mentally ill. Um, when when there is a part of the body that is not well, we care for it more carefully. Um, he says in verse sixteen, "Because I'm an eye, I don't belong to the body." No, we're, God has placed the parts, each one of them in the bodies He intended. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Read this chapter 12. Um, we've all been given different gifts so that we can depend on another. You know, uh, um, if I think I can do it all, well, I'm not doing it the way the Lord wanted. To confess, I, I've been thinking about good old Father Stanley Rudkey, who, when you'd, he was one of the best educated men I've ever known, a real gentleman, and one of the few truly humble people I've ever known, conducted a symphony orchestra, taught English literature, music, brilliant man. Um, when you ask him about something about which he knew nothing, he would say, you know, I really have no no awareness of that field. I really, I really don't know about it. I, he was always willing to admit what he didn't know. And to me, this is this is an essential thing in the body of Christ. For me to say that, well, I, I know theology. I don't know theology. I can do beginning Greek and, and uh, 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 beginning Greek and Latin. You know, but this I'm okay. But, you know, I was educated. And my theological education came from one of the low points in the history of the church, um, which thought it was one of the high points. But I digress. So this is the idea that that we are in this together. 
And if we don't realize that, we're missing the point. If we politicize ourselves within the church the way that they did in Corinth, we are not honoring God. So he says, are all apostles, are all prophets? And the Lord, he says, has created kind of a, a structure. Uh, first, apostles. And apostle, I always tell you, it means missionary. But I should, a little caveat, it means a delegated missionary. Not someone who gets a tambourine and a bunch of tracks and says, I'm going to be a missionary. No, these were chosen by the body, by the group. And then come prophets, and then teachers. You know, then workers of miracles, then gifts of healing. What's the difference between miracles and healing? Miracles, uh, healing is a very specific thing. Uh, uh, miracles have to do with circumstances external to us. And there's there are gifts of, of assistance, administration, and different tongues. And we don't have them all. I, I, I remember a person saying, oh, priests have all the gifts. No, we don't. I certainly don't. I need a good prophet in my life. I need a good a good um, uh, apostle in my life. You know, uh, I need a good healer in my life. I can teach, but that's about it. You've heard the saying, them what can does and them what can't teaches. I come of a long line of teachers. So I think it's very important that, that um, um, we understand that if we understand our limits, we understand our need for the church, our need for one another. And we are so far from that. We are so far that religion is sort of a, uh, a consumer commodity. And you go to the providers of religion, the clergy, and some of them are nuts and some of them aren't. That's the providers of religion. That's not the way it was designed. Each of us, and that I'm going to make that the word of the day, each of us has a service to render. Uh, we'll talk about that in the word of the day. Um, then he launches into, I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. He goes into the beautiful, beautiful chapter uh, um, 13 of his first letter to the Corinthians. So, from I sure hope, you know, when we look at the churches, if it was just sort of a, an organization providing a service we we don't it has nothing to do with the church the church god sees the church as a family as a bride as a wife and mother we see it as an organization that that uh, has political ups and political downs and that's not what it is so pray for the church pray that we can be the church that that, that christ sees and intends and that is the church. You know, one more thought. You know, the people talk about the church. The church, you know what they should do? Those people have no concept of the church. Um, uh, they think of the church as crabby old men in plastic collars like me. The next step up is the church we. Well, that's a little better, but that means I have a responsibility in the church. But usually it's it's an adversarial one. But the person who really understands the church says the church she the church she should do this or she she needs this that we if we see the church as our mother uh, who needs our care and if we see fellow christians as brothers and sisters who we may have difficulties with but 
they're ours and we're theirs and we need one another. It's a different look at the church. And I really believe that the more local the church, the better it is. Um, you get these huge, huge agglomerations uh, and it ceases to be the church. It, it becomes a social service organization. But a, a church that is that is compact and loves one another, I think that is what we're going for. And that's probably what we're going to get after all of this, the, the, the current era is said and done. Enough. Let's go to a break. We'll come back with letters, of which I have many. Oh, 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester today. An Illinois Life Insurance Society not available in all states. You've got to accentuate the positive I think the voice in my head is playing this song, hoping that I will do it, what the song says. I accentuate the positive. I'm positively irritated by the weirdness of our time. No, I'm not. This is one thing. Actually, you know, I always say it was for these times that we were born. This is where God wants us. And uh, we can, we'll talk about that in the word of the day. All right, let's go to letters. Oh, boy. Uh, this is a kind of fun letter, too. Um, this is from Chris and Noreen, um, who got involved with the uh, Catholic Charismatic community in New Jersey. And uh, she just wants to say that that um, when she experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, it, it really did begin her life as, as a real Catholic. So... Uh, uh, or he, he um, well, no, this is this is from uh, Chris, the the husband. But he says it's all a gift. I mentioned that in a very lovely letter, um, and he talks about opening up to what God had given him in baptism and confirmation. And this this brings me to another letter that is. Ex- I'm not sure I understand this letter. It's from someone named Thomas, and he recommends a book at the end about baptism in the early church. But um, he's commenting on my referencing the Didache to say that in the early church they actually did uh, use pouring water over the head when they couldn't immerse. So I'm not sure what he's driving at in this. However, um, uh, the the in such an instance, sacred tradition would actually trump the explicit action the Scripture commands. Well, Scripture doesn't quite command that. Um, we see in Scripture, for instance, the sprinkling of, of uh, dishes. Let me find that. Sprinkling. Okay, no, that's, that's an N, not an N. Sprinkling of plates and bowls. There's our elevator music. Uh, let me pull this up. Okay. Okay, okay, we could, no, 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 I can't quite find it, but, but in the Gospel of Mark, I believe it is, uh, um, uh, they talk about 
a sprinkling, a ritual sprinkling, I believe. Let me, uh, maybe, let me, oh goodness. No, can't find it. Well, I'll find it eventually. Oh, there's the uh, more more elevated music. Let me just go to the theme. I think it's very important, if I understand the letter, he's talking about legalism. Would the law you refer to be the Mosaic law? I understand John the Baptist, Lord Jesus, apostles lived under the law of Moses. I'm not quite sure. It's a rather long letter, so I, I, again, I'm not quite sure what his question or comment is. But I just want to remind people that that the Catechism says brilliantly that we are bound by the sacraments. God is not. And the word baptism simply means immersion. And a person is to be immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's kind of ambiguous. The, the scripture in no place says precisely, immerse them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says, immerse them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the, the, I, I would venture that probably ritual sprinkling um, was was a factor in Judaism. I don't know. I, I I look at the scriptures and see a lot of ritual sprinkling. But the point I'm trying to make here is that that the word baptism is a very generic Greek word, and for us to say that that it refers at all times to the sacrament as we conceive the sacrament, well, I'm not sure that that's true. Uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not. A sacrament. It is an immersion in the presence of God. That's it's an experience usually that uh, people would describe as being immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's an encounter with the surrounding presence of the Holy Spirit, and it isn't the the the, the property of one movement. It is an initiation into one movement. Then baptism in water is a sacrament of the church, and we use the word baptism immersion. But it is the long custom of the church that the immersion is a, is a spiritual immersion symbolized in the use of water, whether by dunking or by sprinkling. And can God work his way around baptism? Yes, because, well, as I always tell you, God has this problem. He thinks he's God. I don't know that that addresses the question or comment. Now, this is one I really, really loved, um, uh, and I really want to share. I'm not going to share the name, but it's a young mother. Thank you for your words about contraception. I'm a 31-year-old wife and mother of three under five. When I came back to the church a couple of years ago, I was pregnant with my second boy. The influence of Mary on my conversion was monumental, given that I, too, was pregnant with a boy. After I had him, it was clear to me the church's teaching on contraception was true. My amazing Protestant husband has come down this path with me, and our marriage has been revolutionized. But that being said, it is so difficult. Even as I write this, I have been yelling at my two-year-old son uh, for hanging on me. As, and I'm, as I'm cooking dinner, now my eight-month-old just woke up. I often feel like an alien among my peers. So I know the teaching is true. Hearing you speak so passionately uh, was a support. So... Um, yeah, hang in there. Um, uh, this is a very short time. It seems like an infinitely long time. But I remember that old folk song, uh, Turn Around and He's uh, uh, Four, Turn Around and He's Ten, Turn Around, He's a Young Man Going Out of the Door. It's a very short time. Enjoy it. You know, and uh, make sure you laugh with your kids. Um, 
there's a lot of things. Oh, I'll share a story. I, I remember um, uh, there was a divorce in the family, and, and I had to do uh, a lot of <laughs> child care work. And I was at home washed, doing the laundry, which was way behind. And my godson is tearing around the basement. I was I, uh, on, a, on, a, on a, a tricycle. And he said, come and play with me. And I said, I can't. I got I to gotta work. He said, I don't want you to work. I want you to play with me. And I realized the time was coming soon when he would not say that. So I dropped the laundry, and I got on the other tricycle, and we chased around the basement. I don't think he remembers, but I will never forget it. You know, there'll be plenty of time to do the work. Do your best to enjoy the kids. Live more simply if you can. You know, Hamburger Helper is okay. Um, and just, I pray that your house will be filled with laughter. You know, when some kid is bothering you, you got something to do, say, stop bothering me. I'll tickle you and tickle them and laugh and laugh and laugh and then go back to what you're doing. We think that work is so important. And, well, there's plenty of time to do the work when they're gone. And they'll be gone soon. So enjoy them. Um, children, I, I say this all the time. God gives us two teachers of love. We think of love as a warm, fuzzy feeling for someone. It's not. Love is sacrifice. And God gives us two groups. Well, three, actually. One it consists of our spouse. <laughs> but the other two, the poor and children. If you give to the poor and you serve the poor, you are never going to get back as much as you put in. If you love your children and serve them, you're never going to get back what you put into it. I've had angry callers say, I get so much out of my children. You're lucky. You're the exception. That kid's going to go to college and fall in love and, well, they may call you now and then. And that's the way it should be. God has given you teachers who will teach you what love is. And those are your spouse, children, and the poor, because it's all giving. A successful marriage isn't 50-50, it's 90-10. You give 90, get 10. That's true for parenting, and that's true for the service of the poor. So, um, make sure, I mean, you have to discipline kids, and you have to do the timeout thing, and you have to, you know, it's a full-time job, but it won't last very long. It really won't. All right, enough. Hang in there. This is a beautiful thing you're doing. The world needs what you're doing. Okay, all right, let's see. What time, how are we doing time-wise? Let me do another one. Um, this is, oh, there's so many, I want to get them all. Um, oh, the, oh, by the way, there are plenty of lines open at 888-914-9149. Uh, this is from Kirk. Um, and he, I think this was at a time, he was in Germany, and a communion host fell to the floor, and uh, they just let it stay on the floor. Should I pick it up? Yes. Uh, you know, in, in the Coptic church, when a crumb falls from a sacred host, the service stops. They call, they call, the, they call it a pearl that has dropped. Um, yeah, uh, you're right that... Uh, I will never forget that there was a woman who was mentally ill, very mentally ill, and 
This woman received communion in the hand, of course, and then went walked out of the church, broke up the host into tiny pieces, and in front of the school children started stomping on it. She was mad at God that morning. And um, somebody ran in to tell me, Father, there's a woman desecrating a host on the church steps. And I, I went out. By the time I got out there, the old Vietnamese, the senior citizens of our Vietnamese community, had found every visible, perceivable crumb and had eaten it off the ground. Um, that's Eucharistic devotion. Kirk, maybe what you should have done is fallen to your knees and publicly consumed the host. Who knows what it had on it? But uh, that would have been a dramatic thing, and the Germans would have thought you were nuts. You're not nuts. So, yeah, the uh, you know, I, I wonder if communion in the hand is uh, is is a good thing for people who don't understand what it is. Uh, but I don't want to visit that right now. Uh, one is free to receive communion on the tongue or in the hand. Uh, of course, following diocesan rules regarding COVID, you obey your bishop. Uh, the Lord is pleased by obedience, but reverence this great gift, which is the host. I always say that communion is the most expensive meal you'll ever eat. Better than any fine restaurant downtown. It's it's uh, um, cost the price of the blood of the Son of God on the cross. That's what it costs to have the Eucharist. Uh, there you go. All right, we're going to take, well, yeah, we'll take a break, and uh, we'll come back with the word of the day. And, uh, uh, oh, there's a waltz. Oh, oh, phone number. I'm entranced by the waltz. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. The waltz reminds me of Mummy, who said once, Richard, you waltz abominably. Ah, the waltz. You, you, you can tell the world about this. You can tell the nations about that. Tell them what the master has done. Tell them that the comforter has come. And he brought joy, joy, joy to my soul, to my soul. I like this song. Tell them that the mass, what the master has done. Tell them that the gospel has come. All right, or the comforter. They're saying comforter, but I, I learned that the gospel has come. All right, let's go to uh, the word of the day. All right, I can't find the word of the day. I'll find it in the word. Um, uh, uh, we read uh, that that um, uh, the, the the well probably in the chapter. Oh, the phone lines are open eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We read in the chapter, not so much in um, in the reading of the day. Uh, that that we all have been called to, to service. I think it's interesting. There, there there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, and in verse five of chapter twelve of 1 Corinthians, there are different forms of service. That word is diakonia, deaconing, table waiting. I always tell you that to deacon is to wait on table. That's what, what deacon means. And, uh, you know, in, the big problem in the charismatic renewal, as I remember, was that, that the charisms, especially speaking in tongues, were thought of as proof 
that you had the Holy Spirit. And you had to have the Holy Spirit because if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you couldn't say Jesus is Lord. This is a bunch of nonsense. Uh, there are entire denominations that believe that if you have not spoken in tongues once, at least once in your life, you're going to hell because you can't say Jesus is Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you have the Holy Spirit. I'd like to know if the Holy Spirit has you, frankly. But the important thing is that these gifts, these manifestations are given for the common good, the simferon, the, 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 the coming together. The, these are not for me. They're not for my enjoyment. Uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't, we all thought of it, oh, I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That must be cool. It'd, be, it'd feel really neat. That's not at all what it's about. It's a calling. I look at the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, so-called, not as a, a religious experience, which it usually seems to be, but as a vocation, a calling to service. And those manifestations of the Holy Spirit existed for service, not for our individual amusement or our individual uh, uh, benefit, but that we might be servants of the body. And I think that that was missing in the the catechesis that we got from, uh, well, from, quite frankly, non-Catholic sources. Uh, we, the Catholic clergy, didn't want to be, bo be bothered uh, pastoring these bunch of crazy people. And so there were all sorts of Congregationalist Pentecostal ministers who were quite happy to fill in for what should have been the responsibility of, of the clergy of the church. Um, that was my experience in the early days of that movement. And so we had a mistaken notion of the purpose of this, this movement, this experience, whatever it is. It was for the good of the church and not just for the amusement uh, and enrichment of a few people. And I think some people still look at it that way. All right. Well, that said, let us go now to phone calls. This is smart. Maxwell smart. Justice from Fenton, Michigan. Are you with us, Justice? Yes. Good. What can I do for you? I was wondering... Why do the Catholics bow down and pray to, like, Mary and statues if it says in Exodus 24, you shall not make yourself an image, and then in Luke 16, 13, mm -hmm. no one can serve two masters? Sure. No problem. First of all, the, the, the specific word in the text of Exodus, you shall not make for yourself images of gods. And we don't believe the saints are God. They're not gods at all. They're members of the body of Christ. And the reason that we honor them is that Jesus said, what I have done and greater shall you do. In other words, we're all called to be sort of not apart from Jesus, but we're all called to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. And we don't believe saints are dead. We believe they're quite alive because scripture says, uh, 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 those who believe in me will, even if they die, they shall live. You know, saints aren't dead. And we ask them to join us in prayer. If you really believe that you can't ask for the intercession of those who have gone on before us who are saints, you darn well better not let ask your pastor to pray for you because it's Jesus only. It's Jesus only. I have never worshiped a statue in my life. And, uh, we think of them as kind of uh, reminders of the communion of saints of the family of faith. You see, our Blessed Mother is exactly that, a mother. 
and she is, uh, to quote uh, Pope John Paul, she's the most redeemed of women. In other words, Jesus was her savior too. We don't believe they're gods, and we don't bow down to them. We celebrate them. You see, one of the problems is that, that Protestantism, I think, doesn't understand worship. They, they confuse worship and praise. Praise is something that I do. Worship is something that the Holy Spirit does profoundly in me. And the only worship we believe that is worthy of God is the offering of the body and blood of his son in the holy sacrifice of the mass. The Calvary is the only worship suitable for God. The rest is praise. So you can praise your pastor. You can praise uh, the cuisine at a certain restaurant. You can praise a saint. You can't worship them. We don't worship uh, saints. I've never worshipped a saint in my life, and I have never thought that, that that icon or that statue was was a god or goddess. I've never thought that they were <laughs> a plaster statue is not the Blessed Mother. So I think that um, this ancient, ancient tradition that we live in as Catholics and uh, church Eastern uh, churches, both Orthodox and Byzantine, that, that we live in a world of saints. Uh, and and um, I think that that is biblical. So I, I hope that helps a little. Again, we don't worship saints. I've never worshipped a saint. I've never worshipped a statue. Hope that helps. Who do we have now, dear voice in my head? Reuben from San Francisco. What can I do for you? Hi, good morning, Father. Um, I was listening to your talk earlier on the radio, and I just want to say thank you for those inspiring words regarding family and kids and the poverty. I appreciate it. Well, hey, <laughs> it took me a long time to come to that conclusion. Now that I'm an old man, you know, I basically want life to be, a, you know, as comfortable and fun as a half-hour sitcom, but it isn't. So, so it's a lesson hard learned. So... So there you thank go. You. Well, I'm honored that you listen. God bless you, and thank you for your call. Any questions that God you may you, have? Or... Okay, well, thanks. No, I'm, I'm honored. I just want to say thank you. <laughs> well, and I want to say you're welcome, and thank you for listening, because, well, I think if I wasn't doing this, my brain would rot and fall out of my ears. All right, it makes me think. <laughs> God bless you. Whom, whom do we thank have you. now, dear voice in my head? You're welcome. Well, whom, do, whom, else, whom else do we have? Oh, Leo, Leo, we're going to try and find you. While we're waiting to find Leo, I want to go back to, to letters because there's all sorts of swell letters. Uh, I got one here asking, where was the Blessed Mother? A couple of questions concerning the Blessed Virgin. During Jesus' three years of traveling around and healing and teaching, where was Mary? I don't know where she was. I'm sure sometimes she seems to have accompanied him. Uh, at one point, it says, your mother and brothers are with you. I think she essentially stayed with other relatives, the brethren of Jesus, who seem not to have been her children. But Jesus, nobody anticipated Jesus was going to die, rise, and ascend into heaven. So, yeah, looking on my until I get back to town. That was, that was probably what was going on. So, um, Jesus was not far away all the time. Uh, and remember, the Holy Land is a tiny, tiny place. So uh, I I think that uh, that's uh, where she was for those three years, kind of in the care of of different people. You know, again, the, the thing is, women were not uh, <laughs> allowed to be on their own recognizance. Ah, you know, 
essentially, even if her son was five towns over, she was under his protection. And uh, uh, it was the permit she went to live with John because the the rupture in their relationship was going to be permanent when Jesus was crucified. So Jesus made prov- made provision for her for the rest of her life, whereas during his earthly ministry, he, he didn't have to do that. So that was an interesting question. Where was the Blessed Mother when Jesus was was traveling around? Um, this Jim from Wisconsin. So uh, essentially, uh, she was with relatives. That's what the scripture seems to indicate. All right. Whom do we have on the line now, dear voice in my head? L- Lauren from Buckeye, Arizona. Lauren, what can I do for you? Hello, Father Simon. Hello, hello. I love, I love to hear the talking about the various charisms, and I was wondering uh, how do you recommend how do you recommend that we um, discover what charisms we have? Should we pray and ask the Lord to? Reveal it to us? Should we meditate? Well, I, I, I can tell you my own experience. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 18, and I would go to the chapel every night. I was in seminary at the time. I was on my way out of the seminary when God pulled me back in through through this experience. Um, and I would go to the chapel every night and say, Lord, what's my ministry? Everybody had to have a ministry and uh, nothing. Then, after about a year or so, I went to a, a prayer meeting in Old Town, uh, um, and uh, um, uh, the, the, when they found out I was in the seminary, they said, good, you'll teach the introductory seminar. <laughs> but what had preceded that was I had gone to a little Pentecostal church with some of my friends, and there was a gospel singer, a woman of great amplitude <laughs> and a great singer, and she was a prophetess. And... We were all going to go over to her house and have her prophesy over us. And she prophesied over the guys, oh, honey, you're going to preach the gospel to your own and God loves you. She came to me and she looked at me and she shook her head and said, you're going to be a gospel teacher. It's written all over your face and moved on. And then the next week they asked me to teach a, a, a seminar at the prayer group. And I haven't shut up since. So, you know, that was my experience, that, that you ask the Lord. You know, there's a wonderful old Pentecostal song, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Uh, Lord, uh, whatever you want me to do, if you let me know, I'll do my best to do it. And that's what I would suggest, you know, that what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve in the church? So uh, uh, I think that... Uh, that's an important dimension. This this idea of diaconia that I mentioned in the word of the day that that um, everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a, a service in the church. How do you want me to serve, Lord? Does that help? It does. Can I just ask one other question? Sure, sure. Really quick. Do you believe that we in the Catholic Church? Do you believe that we spend enough thought and time and prayer? And just talking about the charisms, you know, I know even uh, different Baptists and different denominations, they seem to be more alive in that area than we do as Catholics, but maybe that's just my experience. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. Um, I don't know that we need to talk about them, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I think we have to believe in them and we have to spend as much time as we can in prayer. 
You know, I, I think we forget that. We we are so big into, well, I fulfilled my Sunday obligation, which I believe in. There's a Sunday obligation. I've said these prayers, I've done this novena, and these are good things. But um, just sitting before the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm here to serve you. Um, I don't think we do enough of that. We have done more of it in times past. you got to remember that the great wonder workers of, of history are generally Catholic or, or uh, 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 you know, there's a lot of Greek Orthodox wonder workers. There's a lot of Church of the East wonder workers. They come from the sacramental churches, but they're people who've fallen in love with God. If you fall in love with God, you don't need to talk about these things. You just do them. So the more time spent in front of a tabernacle in silence, I think the more fully God can use us to manifest himself. One of the most charismatic women I've ever met, who had nothing to do with the Pentecostal movement, was Mrs. Helen Toomey. She she was a woman in our town who spent every possible ex and a mother of a large family. Uh, but when they were older, she she would you'd go into the parish church, which back then, of course, was open, uh, and she'd be kneeling there or sitting there praying. And if we needed prayer, we went and said, Mrs. Toomey, can you pray for us? I got a quiz today. Will you pray for me? I got through high school on Mrs. Toomey's prayers. But she manifested the power of God without ever talking about it. She just radiated the power of God. Um, uh, there was a saying in the early church uh, among the Romans that that clearly these men have been with Jesus. That if they can say that about us, then that's the best way to do it. Not to discuss, not to have seminars on how to manifest the gifts of the Holy Spirit, etc. We used to have those all the time. No, no. If they can say about you clearly, she has been with Jesus. That's That's as good as it gets. Does that help? It does. Thank you. Well, I love you your go. show. Well, well, thanks. I like God to talk. I'm glad you like to listen. God bless. Thanks. I'm honored that you'll listen. Do we have anyone else? we got about a minute left. Whom do we have, dear? Leo, Leo, you're there. What can I do for you, Leo? Yes, yes, Father. It's wonderful. You were just speaking about how we should play with the children. And as <laughs> important as that is to take time with them. Yeah, to leave them take time working with us. Yes, and they can work with the old I folks. Up, yes, yes, I grew up with that. And at the this point in time, my wife and I have been married sixty one years. Come November eleventh, wonderful. Our wonderful. daughter, my daughter, has now with her husband come to live with us to help me take care of her because she has heart problems and dementia. Uh, oh. And our other two well, I children keep you said, in my prayers. Oh, there's music in my head. But yes, it's a wonderful thing, Mother, to ask the kid to help you. Father, to ask the kid to help you. You probably have to clean up the mess after, but it, it's it's very instructive. Speaking of cleaning up the mess, Drew's here to clean up the mess after me. Uh.